Welcome to Gestalt Poetry Open Mic. My name is Amy Jackson, and today we have Frizzy as our feature poet.
A scream wells up from the darkness of the bed, anger erupting molten rock from beneath the surface of my sleep, stifled, sickening. I tremble and wait. I shiver close to where you warmed beside me. We are there a half second before I wake. No longer. The bed is ice. I wander down for the freshness of the sun. The mockingbird song of morning is nonsense, gibberish. The cat on the windowsill, sleeping. Mm. Isn't that fun? <laughs> That's like really getting, okay, so let's get started. I'm really excited, this is gonna be fun. All right, the first poet that we have is Robert Stone. Give him a good welcome. Uh, the last time I think I was here, I read a poem and I said it was a birthday poem for this friend of mine in Texas. And uh, her mother died about five years ago, but I still write in memory birthday poems for her mother. And this is one from earlier this month. The older cannot tell the younger much, for daily life is not concerned with thought. Some shock precedes desire to wisdom touch. Some thirst before the thrill of knowledge caught. Each stranger is a hard decision made by choosing keeping far or bringing close. Best watch experience for groundwork laid while carefully discerning what one knows. How many blessings we have likely missed because our paths through life were separate until some common care into our midst brought questions without an answer, waiting fate. Lamplighters know at once when work is done. Too soon our inner glow grows dim outrun. And then this poem is from about six years ago. Uh, written for a lady from Florida who is a big... Uh, Exponent of Albert Schweitzer's reverence for life. A weed is but a flower out of place, and understanding recognizes worth. A hate is but a love in one disgrace, and fortitude may bring it to rebirth. A star is but a fire from years ago, and knowledge reassures its present light. A fear is but a hope that did not grow, and counsel shows a way to set it right. A seed is but a plant not yet mature, and piety proclaims that all should live. A pain is but a touch that cries for cure, and wisdom seeks the proper care to give. A death is but a life continuing, and awe and wonder shape remembering. Thank you. Thank you, Robert. I love how well-crafted your poems are, and the imagery that you use is really beautiful. Thank you. Next, we have Thomas Carter. It's called Morning Glory. Uh, it's about the city where I'm from, Carthage, about an hour east of here. Um, Week one, bike ride to look around. I was curious, my new hometown. 
Carthage, and its August bridge. Carthage, blooming and unassuming. Misanthropies unroll, Lang Syne old. Demiring down to earth, do equipose. No pariahs, hallelujah, eye to eye with ease. Denizens greet, wave, and smile to strangers on the street. Yet observing I look down, what is this I see? Lysome, profound, and precariously petite. Perhaps about a lattice, though aimed and attached. Ideal a trussled walkway or born a stone chimney. Adorning affluent homes, yes, copper dome. Ascent atoll gardens all discreet. Allied with weatherproof gnomes, faithfully out of covetous reach. Look, morning glory, verdant and with vines plied. In full bloom, after a warm, tardy November night. Incited by its burgeoning impudence, I should like to say. And sentient and lush on public right-of-way? So dainty, do you think it prudent across the sidewalk lay? Zealous and aesthetic, crisply glaring me. We don't choose our roots, these roots they chose me. So happily comply, assiduously proceed. Truth is not a curse, for that I marquee. You do what you can, you may be what you will be. The gaslighting is egregious, yet love victoriously. We cannot help, some on us want to step, but we burst from this cranny. Tomorrow all will see. The morning and the glory belong to those like me. Thank you, Tom. Love victoriously, yes. Love that. Next we have Janae the Poet. Woo! This poem is an extension of a poem that Frank Reading this poem from a king to a queen. Reading these words, imagining him speaking has got me thinking. Here on earth can we be, yet we kill every lie poetically, and we are the justice. I know that you feel me deeply without touching me inappropriately. Treating me like a queen because as a king you see the love in me. There is no hiding myself with you. My universe to your universe, I see you as poetry husband. Art is our love language and our fiery night in conversations alludes our souls into a place that we call home. Your vulnerability is like music and your emotions is like wine. It's intoxicating. I enjoyed yesterday's our souls illuminated. See, I trip on you. You brought me to the moon and back. You filled up my lack with wisdom. Your love and kindness brings me into greater alignment. If that is your earthly assignment, your wings must be at least eight feet tall. I am so high on your love, I pray I do not fall. Your delicious mind of intelligent conversation alludes my imagination to its highest peak. Hearing him speak is like hear healing. Knowing my king understands my feelings in advance so I don't have to dance over them. That really blows my mind. I can say that line at least three times. See, you, see, I trip on you. I never thought that I would be breathing the same air with a king that can see me and a higher me. See the queen growing inside of me, feeding me love so I never lose inspiration. I call that poetic romance. They say that trust is the deepest action to show that I love you so king just to let you know. I love you too. Mm. <laughs> Thank you, Janae. That was delicious. Thank you. <laughs> 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 
that is very beautiful. Thank you. Why you spell cat. Next we have chaos. In honor of this young man that's having a birthday, this is childhood. When I was a child, we only played at life. That was the noonday sun, a safe place to run. It was all just innocent fun. These are things kids are made for. There were three things to eat. We played games in the street. There were no dangerous strangers to meet. An adventure was a trip to the corner store. And we children were truly people our parents could adore. Once we were turned out into the yard, it was fun, fun, fun until it got dark and every kid there had a part. This was the life children were made for. We even danced to the doo-wop music that drifted through our mother's door. We played lots of games like Simon Says, Stickball, Dodgeball, King of the Hill, Flag Football. We played them all. Remember how there was always a big dispute because no one was ever sure who had the winning score? Boys were rowdy and lost. Girls were sweet and soft. Yet we were loyal in our friendships at all costs. We wrestled, we roughhoused, we walked, and boy, could we talk. Noonday naps they made us take. We thought the mean homemade ice cream. There was sun so bright it cast blue haze. There was always new and wondrous things to amaze. Although now I've grown old, I long for those days like never before. I wish once, just once, life would relent and allow me to repent and return me to the purity of childhood's door. This is called Animal. They wanna, they wanna treat me like an animal, an animal. They wanna lock me in a cage. They wanna treat me like an animal. They try to push me to a rage. Drug game, sex scene, gunplay. It's all gonna end the same with me doing time, walking blind while they play games with my mind. They treat me like an animal. They think we're all the same. Treat me like an animal. Don't even know my name. I'm a man, I took a stand, I hold my babies by the hand. So you see, I'm not an animal, it's just a state of man. I got some pride, got God inside, got you to live by my side. No, I'm not an animal, I have no need for a cage. No, I'm not an animal, God's love for you and yours for me helps to cure my rage. I'm a human being trying to live the dream. I'm a person trying to stop the hurting. I love you for loving me and showing me my part. No longer acting like an animal. My heart is filled with God. Animal. I got a request. Can I, can I get a birthday? Thank you so much, Cass. That was so powerful. Thank you. Great. 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 History. Thank you. Let's see the next person. You. You. Truth. 
And then the final one is going to be brainwashed. So, poetic letter, things you needed to hear, they said they want truth, and then brainwashed. And of course, um, I don't know if you've seen online, though. A couple of those poems I literally just wrote this first time that basically anybody's hearing them. I don't actually know them or have them memorized just yet. Um, but um, I will read them at least as good as I can as far as how I wanted them to flow. Uh, and we'll have a little fun with some things. So uh, if you have any questions, like for real, like I'm real serious about answering questions and having this interaction and speaking to each other so that we can actually get answers. Because sometimes I say some stuff with the intent to make you think. Uh, while at the same time trying to send a message that I want to make sure that you get. So if you don't get it, it's kind of pointless for me to even say it. So if you have questions, you want to hold on to them. I do want to do a little question answer session at the end um, to kind of make this a little more intimate, a little more uh, stronger in purpose and what I actually stand up here to do. Just a little bit about me before I actually go into this. So most of you already kind of know. Uh, Frank Sykes is actually my name. Frizz is what I go by as far as stage as well as Frizz Production, which is the company that I own. But just a little bit of backdrop history. I used to be a deputy sheriff here in Davidson County. I was there for eight years, and then, of course, three years prior to that, I worked in the prison. So I've seen a lot of things from the environment and been exposed to a lot of stuff happening from the justice system and from just dealing with people in the environment altogether. So a lot of my writing, a lot of stuff that I write, really come from this experience in my life. Uh, I, At one point, I admit I was ignorant of a lot of stuff because, again, when, you, when you're not exposed to it, you don't know about it. Uh, and being in law enforcement and doing the stuff I've done exposed me to a lot of things which kind of took those blinders off, and this is what you have here today. So, that's why I opened up that floor for you to ask questions at the end. If there's something that you want to know about anything that I've actually uh, performed or spoke, then we'll do that, uh, and hopefully we'll move on in a more positive direction, uh, which is always my purpose in life. Sometimes it don't work out that way, because some people get offended and go the opposite direction. But nevertheless, uh, it still has to be done. Someone has to be bold enough to do it. So, as a poet and as a spoken word artist, um, I entertain with purpose uh, of change. I was born by the river in a little tent just like that river I've been running ever since. It's been a long, long time coming but I know a change gonna come. Dear beautiful brown faces, I hope that this letter reaches you in time even though we sit in different places. There's some things that I want you to know before I go, so let's just face it, we are living in a world filled with blindness and at times our problems will grow and awkward spaces. You see, I'm aware that you will have questions unanswered, leaving you frustrated and shaking. Confused with these A, B, and C choices that all seem right, but D was an option that they left off of the paper. Forced to submit an answer without any guidance is enough to stir up feelings of this frustration. To lose control is what they want. To deem you mentally ill is their castration. So, listen to Frizzy and circle them all. 
All beautiful children to stand united. Please don't let them divide you just to fall. The vision that was left off of the paper intentionally for systematic control making robots of us all. A letter written that may be way too deep. Instead of this letter, I should have made a phone call. But just remember this. You will always be loved dearly by Frizzy. P.S. I hope I'm not too late. Things she needed to hear. You're beautiful. I miss you. I want you. You're amazing. You drive me crazy. You are perfect for me. Your flaws are my perfections. The shining sun has nothing on you. You must have been structured from some special clay. If it was possible, I'd spend every second up until my very last day with you. You are the one that I adore. All of these things were what her spirit yearned for. To hear these sweet words makes her canty melt, leaving puddles all over the floor. But the greed built from this environment made her continue to always ask me for more. So I opened up my eyes and began to explore, seeking knowledge of the things unseen that would help me not to ignore the happening of the things that brings these conflicts knocking on my door, wondering after I gave you everything, how you still fixed your lips to ask for more. It's funny to me, but the happiest relationships always seem to happen from those that are poor. We seem to forget how Edgar wept tears over the loss of his queen, Eleanor, as that raven perched up on that clock, breaking his heart with the words, Nevermore. Forgetting that even Alan was Poe. Punch lines that teach you some things that you didn't even know, like those lines in time that taught that pimp everything that he needed to hit you low, blend in was the trend. So how does one decipher between a real man and a hoe? Because even that player knows to give you everything that you're asking for. All packed up and sold in a dream. Sometimes I regret hearing the words of Dr. King because we always seem to forget that he was not sleeping when he wrote it. And that even his dream became a nightmare. I just want to make sure that you are hearing these things very clear. Understand that I titled this poem things that she needed to hear to penetrate through walls that she wouldn't let down from her trained fear. Just know that your king is standing bold right here without fear just to say, I don't want an American dream. We might end up on M Street. You needed to hear that. So they said they wanted truth. Okay. Well, the truth is that I stand in a land where a man has to be careful what comes out of his mouth. Where the first mend is a trend that you can say what you want, but 
They won't hesitate to put your ass out. So shh, just be quiet. What is love as action turns into controls of feelings and dealings with anyone that matches the things that I care about to where we now loan for homes to live in while struggling to keep up a happy house. You see, this shit was built to keep us twirling all about. Oh, but wait. Here comes the answer. All you have to do is vote. Use systematic things just to keep systematic dreams afloat. Keep them sleeping so that they never figure out the answer so that they should never know that it was nope. It is 2020 and we are living in the 21st century. We are way past time for a revolt. But when you ask the people to stand up, they quickly figure out that word. Nope. Bringing new meaning to a better understanding of that frustrating word, hope. Holding on to just belief. Crying tears alone in dark times while praying for some relief. Holding on by a thread. Some wishing that they were dead. Suicidal thoughts that they fear to even speak. But I'm a spoken word artist, poetically creative in darkness. When I process this shit out, it sounds so damn unique. So please. Pardon me for bragging. I'm just trying to get to the root of the issues just to play around the trunk of this tree. Got so many lost souls on bended knees praying to these invisible entities worshiping things that they will never ever see. But wait before you get mad at me. And remember that it is you that should turn the other cheek and that I'm worth being forgiven. And in this life, we'll go on just living a chaotic war into some side just decide just to give in. I can't believe they got us food to fight while not even knowing the mission, the vision. But they say they want truth. Well, the truth is this. You can't handle the truth. And there's nothing more truthful than that. Last one, we're going to go to the question round, and it's titled Brainwash. I'm going to give a little bit of a backdrop of this. As I stated, I was a deputy sheriff here in Nashville, Tennessee, of course, for eight years, three years prior to that I was in the, the justice system. But nevertheless, uh, more about this poem is I actually wrote it, uh, I resigned from being a deputy sheriff in 2018, October. Uh, I wrote this poem around August, and it was kind of getting close to that time for me saying, okay, enough is enough. I got to resign. I got to get more active. I got to do stuff in the community and actually really try to help people. Um, but it was also around the time that I don't know if you know Daniel Hambrick, but Dan Dan had got shot and killed, of course, by uh, that police officer out there in North Nashville. So uh, people would come to me even before then, and of course, because there was a lot of stuff going on with the uh, Mike Jones, Mike, Mike Jones, but uh, up in uh, Mike yeah, uh, his situation and Tamir Rice and all the stuff going on. They was wondering why it was that police, or why it at least seemed that they were just killing us. Uh, and this is what inspired this actual poem that I really, uh, again, this is the first time it's really kind of being heard and that I'm putting out and that I'm going to start pushing a little more uh, since I got more time and more freedom. Uh, one of the things, just to say this real quick and then I'll go into it, as a deputy sheriff and being as, as high ranked as I was and dealing with administrators, they let me know that my First Amendment I really didn't have as an officer or a government employee because you can't really say what you want to say 
without any type of recourse behind doing it. You can't post it online. You can't even go on Facebook and Instagram. If you like certain things, they would find out that you like certain things or however creative they did and say, hey, such and such is complaining. If anybody in the community complained about it, then you risk a chance of losing your job. So I couldn't say a lot of stuff. But nevertheless, creatively, I wrote this poem. And again, I'm going to start pushing a little harder. And it's called Brainwashed. <coughs> We keep killing them because we have been brainwashed. Brainwashed into believing that their struggles isn't real. Trained to believe that their choice to do wrong is really just guided by how they feel. Tricked into the sleeping consciousness. Telling us that their world is not real. That their decisions are from their evil hearts. Birthed in a nation that they would rather kill. We keep killing them because we've been brainwashed. Not taking the time to listen how they feel. Not understanding how a starving mind wonders where in the hell will it get its next meals. And then you wonder why they fuck with Frizzy. Well, it's because they know Frizzy will always keep it real. Speaking these words of truth standing on the opposite side from them. Letting them know that it's them I hear. We keep killing them because we are brainwashed. Conversations that are no longer clear. Understandings directed by environment, belief in Christ while God is your fear. Rules laid down that you should follow. Commandments that state thou should not kill, but those against me put them down. It's government law that's your real fear. We keep killing them because we've been brainwashed. We keep killing them because we've been brainwashed. We keep killing them because we've been brainwashed. Brainwashed into this reality that isn't real. Stop pulling those triggers just to kill. <laughs> Questions, concerns, complaints, emotional outbursts, sly remarks. I'm like, uh, this is a power poem. Yes, that's the word. I usually, like I said, when I write, I, I do it to deliver those messages so that you can hear some of the stuff that, even from an officer standpoint, I knew wasn't right. But then that's like, it's, it's, it's built to be a conflict uh, of happening. So like when you're just one-sided, when I'm an officer and I'm just going on the training and the stuff that they teach me, I'm in classroom and I'm seeing all the stuff, never seeing anything positive, just all the stuff that's negative. Hey, don't do this because you can end up dead like this officer. Hey, don't do this or this can happen to you. So when you see that type of stuff, your mentality becomes kind of brainwashed to be like always on guard. Um, and it kind of causes a conflict with a lot of stuff in life um, because people in an in environment are not being trained like that. They're not even thinking nowhere like that or it's not being shown them like that other than, you know, they might see something on TV, which is fake anyway because a lot of stuff they do on TV, you're not supposed to do that as an officer. It's literally against rules, against policies, but uh, it, it plays with people's mind, it plays with uh, their thought processes, so creates other issues. Uh, but I would also see the other stuff, uh, being an officer and seeing some of the stuff happening, like even like stuff that wasn't nothing would look like something. Um, for instance, I had a, a situation where I had a guy going in the courtroom <laughs> and he was arrested for drugs, selling drugs, so they say. But go to find out, he was really arrested because it looked like he was selling drugs. He actually was in a parking lot meeting somebody. He actually sold hair. <laughs> and in selling the, the hair strands or whatnot, it looked like a drug transaction. Right. 
and they was watching and monitoring him over time, never really knowing what was going on, and literally pulled up on him and arrested him because they, they did a sting operation with someone who was an informant that said, and again, this is just stuff that's deeper uh, than what most people say. All they got to do is, is get somebody to say, hey, this happened, and then all of a sudden he's going to jail. Uh, but the, the informant, which was working off their charges from being in trouble themselves, told them, yeah, he sold me drugs. And he could still had to go through the whole process of a fight just to get this off of them of thinking that he was selling drugs. And he was selling hair. Uh, listen to the whole court case. <laughs> and it was it was funny, but not funny, because I was like, oh, this is how really flawed this stuff is. Like, when they were asking the question in the courtroom, and they were saying, did y'all find any drugs on him? They was like, no. Did y'all find any drugs in the car? No. What did you find in the car? Hair. So you didn't find no drugs? No. And there's a question like, so the only drugs that y'all found was what the informant said he bought from him? Yes. How do you fight? <laughs> it's like it's like a, a losing situation or whatnot, which kind of created uh, me to be like, okay, look, I can't keep playing this game. Uh, I got to teach us how to be more conscious of stuff that we're doing, be more involved in the community and actually get out there because you could be meeting up with somebody to just exchange money or exchange anything, yeah. and it looks like a drug transaction. Uh, and they'll, they'll, they'll be down on you quickly. Um, of course, on top of the brainwashing, in spite of the fact that so many people are being exonerated for being convicted for crimes they didn't do, and so many officers have been stopped and arrested and some even in prison mm -hmm. for things that they did do, mm -hmm. why are people as mindset that they can still get away with doing these type things? Give your answer and I'll hear what somebody like I said, then we'll talk about it. Okay, well, it's not so much as they think they can get away with it. It's when you live in certain environments, certain conditions, you don't care if you get away with it. You actually don't care. It. When I was growing up, you were supposed to be dead in jail for your 18. Not because the world said it, it's because your mom said it, your dad said it. Mm -hmm. So you're not thinking about getting away with it. When I was younger and I went to school, my mom had five kids. My two older brothers was out the house. I did everything on my own. I went to school to take a nap and to eat. I ain't go right. to school to learn. Right. So when you tell me I can go make some money selling drugs and I can go eat some real food, I don't give a shit about getting caught. What do I care about getting caught for? I'm going to jail. I'm going to sleep good and I ain't got to do no housework. But I'm not really referring to those people. Uh -huh. I'm referring to the people like school teachers who go to school and promote racist things. Uh, cops who shoot people in the back or handcuff kids and so, so in, in piggybacking on his answer, his answer is real true. So I want to acknowledge that your environment basically structures your mentality, uh, and it does it so creatively. So when I say this point, brainwash, I know it's not just the officers brainwash; it's everybody. So depending on what you've been exposed to, makes you think a certain way, makes you challenge certain things. So even those that are doing wrong, like the teacher, like the judge, for instance, Moreland was one of the judges on the bench that had the drug program, but at the same time. He was screwing the girls in the drug program and taking them to Florida with him on trips with another attorney, right? This is a judge here in Nashville that was doing this stuff. So in his mind, his environment being on control and over this, oh, nobody's going to catch me, right? And it just becomes this brainwashing thing of if I got away with it once, I'll try it again, I'll do it again, yada, yada, until 
something happened, which was the thing that happened with that situation was one of the girls ended up dead in an apartment of the attorney <laughs> with the attorney's gun. Yeah. So it's like something ain't right. So that's the only thing that made them look into it was that that death. But because of their environment, it mentally makes people think. And I don't blame them. I can't blame nobody. So, like, even when I was in, in, in working inside of the jail and dealing with the offenders, I understood that, hey, if I'm in an environment that has me thinking and acting and doing this and it's my norm, I'll never know to change it until somebody strong enough to fight against it. And that's what ends up, ends up happening is it either someone's going to be strong enough to either help you or they're going to kill you. It's a collision. Uh, to piggyback on something that you would be more knowledgeable of, you uh, you was in the military, right? So in fighting in the military, one of the things that, as an officer that we were watching that we trained us, is to to never take anything for granted. The little kid can walk up to you with a bomb strapped on them yeah. and blow up just to get to you, right? But nobody tells you for the mentality of that kid to be that the way it is that he got to be taught and trained. A certain way to even do that. He don't even care. Exactly. He don't have your same thoughts, your same process, because he is of a whole different environment that said, this is what you do. So instead of us trying to change that environment, we collide with it. We're going to fight it. We're going to kill the little kid. Nobody's going to think, hey, why are we not trying to fix the environment? We just say, hey, we've been trained. They're deadly. When they happen, shoot, kill. And it's just a constant collision on in every situation that I can that I could think of. Like even with the Dandan situation. The officer I, I ain't I'm I'm mad because I know he broke some policies, but I'm more mad at the system that trained him to do the dumb stuff that he did right. because he couldn't break his own mentality or his own brainwashing to not pull that trigger. He's already in a state of mind to say, react. Somebody from you even ask a question. I was about to say, uh, yeah, you're right. I mean I just made I just made a post on Facebook the other day Talking about what is the value of life, mm -hmm. and you just mentioned the you know the army, the service, all of that. Every day you see somebody on the side of the road holding a sign saying, "I'm a veteran, you know, I'm a veteran, I'm a such and such." But every year you get new kids ready to get out of the, out of school just to go to the army. Mm -hmm. But then you see commercials about PTSD. Mm -hmm. You see, but what, what what has changed since you went back in the '60s? What has changed? Mm -hmm. Nothing changed. Nothing. You, you, nothing changed. But we still line up to go. And when you go, what do they promise you? <laughs> free room, free board. All this good stuff at the, the end. world and all of that. And we still do it. So mm -hmm. ain't that, that's brainwashed. Oh, it's total, it's a total brainwashed thing. Like I said, when it, when it comes down to it, uh, quick story. Uh, I had a training. Uh, and it was uh, one of the trainings that we had as deputy sheriff was um, uh, dealing with diversity. Diversity training is what it was. And the trainer, they actually brought a guy in the training that was from Africa. So all of his knowledge and all his information was from homeland as far as, you know, growing up. But he was here and he understood and was still able to navigate to be able to work in the governmental system. But he was Muslim. Mm -hmm. So this is why they had him training us because one of the issues was officers that was Christian dealing with offenders that were Muslim. So you got to know that they clearly knew then that, hey, you don't know what the respect of this person during Ramadan or during these seasons or whatnot, that's their faith, which under the Constitution is protected, right? You can't do these things against someone's religion. So we had to have training uh, to understand those environmental differences. But still, even in that training, I had so many, and it frustrated the heck out of me that I could get, I understood it. 
But we, I had officers, black, white, and whatever color, that were still like, I don't give a care about what they do. They here in America. So there was a collision waiting to happen. So I got tired of like, I'm not finna keep working beside y'all, knowing y'all finna cause my problems. I'm trying to get y'all to wake up, but even to go in further in that story, a lot of officers got mad at the, the Muslim instructor and complained, right? So they, of course, eliminated the training because enough officers complained about this training. Cause, and all he did was speak truth. He even went so far, he might have went, I'll tell you where he probably crossed the line. He crossed the line a little bit when he went to talking about um, how a power gains control over people. So they're like, what y'all really are not acknowledging that's happening back home is that this power basically has went over here. We had this war, but we destroyed everything and whatnot. So ain't nothing left for that those people to basically survive off of. You, you starve them out a little bit, and then you come back and you give them help. So as you're giving them help, all they know to turn to is help. So And, and he spoke on that topic, and it offended. Again, that's what made a lot of them be like, we're not going to let you talk about it. And they went and complained to get his uh, job basically pulled away. And all he was doing was being truthful and talking about from their viewpoint of what actually was happening over there. But that's that brainwashing. I can't even be mad at the officer because the officer just don't know no better. It's like, I got to change your environment to wake up you so that you don't create these other issues that I got to deal with. And I'm up here watching the full circle. I'm like, oh my God, I can't stop it. <laughs> it's just happening over and over and over again because everybody is, again, your environment is what teaches you everything. Um, I'll admit, before I, if I hadn't met Mo, Mo Christo, <laughs> I was stuck in an environment. We were doing spoken word, and we were on the black side of town. We ain't even, wasn't even thinking about trying to, to mix in and do any of this, right? We had our side, we knew poetry was going on, but we weren't looking for it. And then, of course, Mo, which Mo is mixed. But Mo, was, even though he's mixed, he was raised by his white mother. Right. Uh, so he has more of the comfort that a, a person raised by two black parents didn't have. So Mo ventured out over here and was telling me, like, hey, man, you should come try this one. I'm like, they do what? So we went. And I was, it was me and Mo. Everybody else was white. <laughs> and we're in the backyard of this white guy's house uh, over here on East Nashville, following this street. And they was, they was representing justice and black people harder than what we was representing. Right. And I was like, I never would have experienced this had nobody pulled me out of my environment to see that. So that's kind of what changes my mindset about a lot of stuff. I can't blame nobody because I'm blind. Until somebody <laughs> shows me that I'm blind. And then the other thing is I got to accept blindness. Uh, which is the other hard part. Pride to be like, I ain't, I ain't wrong. Once you've been trained something so long, you can't be wrong. And it takes a very creative effort to wake you up. And you st even after that, you still have to be careful for some, some mind, which a lot of people don't understand. That's why I kind of talk about that suicidal stuff a little bit. That's where they go. They give up. Yeah. Um, but it's not a give up matter. It's not. It's literally, it's within your power. As long as you can allow yourself to start understanding some of the stuff that you need to understand, like learn from the other person so that you know and can experience what they experience, tell them what you experience, and then work together to figure out where we need to balance this thing out versus the collision. So, questions, concerns, complaints, emotional outbursts. Y'all feel that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Where'd you work as a uh, CEO? 
I was out here at uh, Davidson County Sheriff's Office, actually, downtown Nashville. So I was a, uh, I'm going to do this poem. Oh, no, I'm not going to do it. I was a, I uh, started out. Do it for the Let me begin this real life poem with an introduction of who I am. The name given to me is Frank Sykes, and yes, I'm a proud black man. By the time I turned 18, the nickname given was Frizzy. If you ask me if I liked it, I'll tell you I love it. I think it's something very unique. You see, I completed high school to the fullest, did a year and a half in college. While I was there, I obtained some knowledge and decided that this school shit is just not for me. Fast forward with me, please, to when I'm now just 23, exposed to a great opportunity working as a prison guard in that system. That private industry begins with C, the total years I stayed was three, got trained to kill if there was a need. After that, I then became a deputy. To move up fast was my mission to the top. My premonition officer of the year is one of the highest recognitions, and I can stand before you today and say that I even accomplished that. If I had the time, I'd tell you how I did it, and I know that you would get it. You stand on your feet and applaud. I'd humble myself and say I was only doing my job. Now you should see the man that stands before you since I've given you my introduction. And as uncomfortable as it is right now, I have to say that I was law enforcement. But I come to you today because that's something that I have to say. It's been far too long for this day and too many lives have had to pay. So I guess I should just say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the lives taken away, especially the young ones of the day, the ones whose opportunity that were just stolen away. You see, little Tamir could have been outside practicing to be what I am today. I'm sorry for that incident with Mr. Brown, and even though I didn't pull the trigger, I know he shot him when he was on the ground, and if he wasn't, I know he seen him falling down and with that shot to the top of his head. He made a decision to no longer have him around. I'm sorry for these scared-ass officers that's quick to pull the trigger, so scared that I make a decision in a split second, even quicker standing in uniform, false claiming and faking to be brave while being brainwashed by this system, thinking that someone's going to kill them. One day. But most of all, I'm sorry that it took me so long to recite this poem. I stood by way too long waiting for the guilty parties to admit that they were wrong. The people knew that they did it at our show and how that story really just sounded so dumb. All we wanted them to do was admit it and then step down off of that throne. You see. Mr. Wilson, I would have to get a little bit personal and say this job was never meant to be for a person like you. The courage needed in a stressful situation you can't create is more like a genetic trait that grew. And I know it's not his fault. He really was choosing a career that he thought was cool. The people responsible for all this mess, well, they sit at the top. Maybe they'll catch that part before my poem is through. Nevertheless, as an ex-officer, I'll stand all by myself, a man bold with pride and truth. I'll stand right here full of courage and say, I'm sorry to all of you, to the people. I am sorry.
So as you can see in that piece, it goes through a lot of transitions telling my story, of course, in the beginning and understanding all the stuff that I went through and literally like as this stuff was happening, um, I was writing about it and kind of putting it to paper and like, okay, somebody from this side has to step out and actually say something. And that's actually one of the, one of my toughest poems. Like literally I was in a, an event and you know, you just have those, those poems where you know it's gonna impact, it's gonna hurt. Uh, especially at the time I was still an officer. So for them to see someone that was an officer stepping into community and saying what I'm saying, it impacted me. I literally had a guy, I didn't know what, I, as soon as I finished, he just came up to the stage and embraced me in a hug and in tears. So, you know, you had an impact and I had to kind of be like, you know what, okay, be a little careful with this poem because <laughs> I don't want them to get too excited that somebody is finally on this side doing something because it ain't changed. I don't want you to get comfortable. So I, I do do the poem a little bit, but I still kind of don't do it at the same time because it ain't over. This, that's just one person saying this is what's happening, but we got so so much further to go uh, in creating a lot of change and doing a lot of things creatively. Um, again, like I said, I've been exposed and seen a lot of stuff to where at this point, I don't even ask questions, I understand it before it happens. Like, all the shootings, all the, all the, all the Sandra Bland situation, I was mad as heck, because I could tell you right then, she shouldn't have been in jail, but the officer got frustrated and he was trained that you were supposed to comply with my authority, in his mind. Yeah. Messed him up. And it's probably, if you could speak to him, it'd probably be the worst thing he regrets ever doing. Um, but Who is this? Uh, the Sandra Bland situation in Texas. Um, so when that situation happened, uh, I was still an officer. Uh, and I actually wrote a poem for that one called Perspectives. And it, was, it literally looks at everybody's perspective of what's going on uh, to kind of explain, like, in my mind, this is what's happening. In your mind, this is what's happening. Mm -hmm. And then from outside people's mind, this is what they're seeing. So um, we have to understand that this is what's happening better. If we can do that, we can actually survive a lot of these situations. Because sometimes we just let our ego, our pride, and stuff kind of get in the way. And force against force is just an explosion waiting to happen. Versus being like, okay, this person is just seeing something differently. Let me try to change. <laughs> it's sad that we got to do that, but you gotta, somebody got to say, you know what? I don't want him to hurt me, so I gotta change what he's seen. Hello, sir, how you doing? You know, <laughs> just for the moment to survive versus I ain't gotta do that. Um, and creating more tension, especially again when they when I'm telling you, they've been trained to think a certain way. Uh -huh. And they can't help it. It's, it's until they are like me, they'll never and it's very it wasn't it may have been one other like but even I was colliding with other officers in there because they had this mentality that people, or there's a trained mentality, people are bad because they were born bad. That is never true. That is never true. It's stuff that you go through in life that creates you to be a certain way, and it's, it's called basically survival. Uh, and in, in the learning of survival, by any means, they come out a certain way. Uh, you know, it's strange though when you live so long that what people now are being taught as history was actually your reality because yeah. you lived that. True. Like today I saw something in the paper about uh, the student takeover of TSU. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't know what that was about, but it was about conditions on the campus at that time. Here it is 39 years later, and they still yeah. have that same Psychic problem. And, and it's because the other day I made a post. 
I said, when we don't fix the issue, we just leave it there to linger for it to come back around and bigger the next time. Yeah. And that's what we keep doing. We keep avoiding addressing what it is. Even in the, in the government, they could have easily have changed a lot of these environments. We spent yeah. enough money doing bull crap that we could have easily have used that money to fix up neighborhoods, to provide better education, to teach and educate people to understand the process of business. But we're not doing that because they feel like, well, we're going to spend a lot of money doing that, and why should we spend more money when all they got to do is do what we say do? So it's that, it's that push thing again. It's like, if y'all ain't going to give, and they don't even see give. <laughs> well, it, it, to me, when, when you think about that, when, like he, how he was saying that TSU's been the same, because I've seen the pictures of the rats and the vents and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. But the biggest problem is because why would they need to change it? We still gonna send our kids there next year. We still gonna encourage our kids to go there next year. I believe that the time comes when, because you said a word that I'm big on, a word that I love is called perspective. Mm-hmm. Once we all don't, because I don't have to, I don't have to, I don't have to uh, prescribe, or subscribe to your perspective. Mm-hmm. I just have to be aware that you have a different one. I understand. And once us as a community have that same concept. It's better for us to work. We'll be able to better to work together because, like right now, if you were to come, like if somebody come in the room like now and say, "What is one thing the black community needs?" It's gonna be one hundred and eighty thousand different houses. Yeah. Because we all got different perspectives and different needs. Yeah. But if you go into a Mexican, if you go on Noseville Road and call a town hall meeting for all the Mexicans, say, "What do y'all need?" <laughs> you know, green cards. <laughs> you need green cards. <laughs> the same thing. Yeah. If you do the same thing with the people, uh, what is the people that's fighting for their land? Um, out there in Arizona. Yeah, if you ask them, they're gonna say, "Leave my land alone." Yeah, this hours. Which is a. But our, but our community, we have so many different perspectives, right? But if I look at it and I go, "Wait, you mad because you can't? You ain't got a job?" Well, guess what? My uncle just started a business. You can go work with him. His his perspective is fixed. Yeah. So then you can help me with my perspective, like you know. But what it, but it, it, it takes literally, it, like right. I say, it's that person that has to to understand. Somebody got to say, "Okay, let me." Let me look at this situation and figure out what's going on. Because if what's happening is it's not happening enough. It is happening. Because even like in the justice system, there was some positive stuff that was happening, but it's just not enough. Like one courthouse can't deal with the issue of a whole city. <laughs> uh, and it, it, it does take some of us to be more accountable uh, that are in higher places, which is a whole other issue. Once the bad thing that I know happened is once you've been in a struggle and you finally get out of that struggle and to the top, Again, that's a whole nother brainwashing, a whole nother mentality that one had. Like my sister, a lot of people don't realize, my family, we went through a struggle, but it, it made us fight a certain way to get to a certain level. So I got a sister that, that's a, uh, the RN nurse. She's the one that saved the nursing program out here at TSU when they were finna basically uh, have some issues of shutting it down because they weren't structured right, weren't doing stuff right. So she came from Columbia, got involved in, in doing stuff. So she's one of the head nurses doing that type of stuff and helping with programming is teaching now at Columbia State in Columbia. My other sister is the principal, uh, was a principal, but now she sits on the board so that the, the test that's getting administrated to the school, she sees that first and makes sure everybody gets it. So she's that high up there. But even still, up there, it's sad to say it. And we've had these conversations at our house where she knows her limitations of what she can push. And that's just that as a deputy sheriff. I was going to run and be sheriff, but then I seen something, I'm like, they'll kill me. <laughs> if I get to pushing too hard, like that, they would literally eliminate me. And I, the proof that I have of that is a story about a judge here in Nashville 
they found a judge on another judge's property dead and they ruled it suicide. <laughs> like, why, like, why would I go to your house to kill myself? <laughs> this don't sound right. But again, I just have to be real about what we're dealing with. We're dealing with a people that still, even in power, they have this mentality of survival and they will still do whatever it takes to survive where they're at. Um, and that, to me, it's not even, at this point, it's not a color issue no more than it is. It's more of a poverty issue. Uh, and I tell people, poverty mindset is for real. Um, I, I, when you work in that justice system, you'll see rich people in jail. <laughs> you'll see poor people in jail. You'll see all walks of life in that jail because they still have that poverty mindset of su surviving whatever struggle they got them the way they act. Uh, this one guy, I had him, I'm like, what did you, white man come down? So what did you do? Insurance fraud. How do you get comments? What you do to have insurance? He said, well, you know, the marina that caught fire, well, my boat was out there. <laughs> I'm like, so your boat caught on fire? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, how did what what happened to get that caught? He like, well, I told him I paid ten thousand dollars for it. Oh, that's what he reported tax wise. I said, so what did you pay for it? Cash, seventy thousand dollars. I'm like, <laughs> so even again because he wanted to avoid that tax. He was still had that mentality of I don't want to pay that much money to the, the government and the tax, so I'm gonna tell them I paid ten thousand, knowing that I paid seventy thousand, mm -hmm. just so I don't have to have, have that heavier weight of tax. And this all comes back down to a mentality of poverty uh, that kind of guides us crazily uh, in our decisions, uh, even as struggling in, in the hood, all the way up to struggles. With Trump, whatever he wants to call it. <laughs> he tried to survive. Earlier, you mentioned how uh, it violates and shape one's mentality. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if I used to know, I, I come from the Malcolm X school of by any means necessary mm -hmm. to the Martin Luther King philosopher, we shall overcome oh, to the Black Panthers. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so I, I evolved all through all these doors. Right, right. And now I'm still just as confused as I was. Which becomes one of the issues again, because all you ended up doing is, is, and I tell people, I stand in the middle. I don't choose none of them. Because the second that you choose one of them environments, you're just standing on the side that's pushing more issues blindly. You have to step outside of them. And like my man say, I can understand that perspective. I can understand that one. I can understand, hey, what can we do to make this work? Not you gonna do it my way or no way. So when it becomes down that my way or no way situation, you actually become part of the problem, not the solution. Mm -hmm. uh, go ahead, Tito. Did any of y'all see on Facebook or any social media where in Kentucky there was um, laws being passed about gun control and how there were uh, men that showed up at the courthouse fully armed. You know, they didn't want to change a policy about, uh, I guess it was in between uh, purchases of uh, assault rifles mm -hmm. and magazine clips or whatever. But yeah. Kentucky legislation allowed, I'm going to say it was, it was, this group of men were all white men that were like hunters or whatever, you mm -hmm. know, that were able to go into the courthouse fully armed and walked past around the metal detectors to, uh, it was certain levels of the courthouse. They, they weren't allowed to go on these floors armed. Right, with them, but they, they, but right. they were allowed to come in the building armed. 
That's and then watch the court proceedings. And I was talking to some of my younger co-workers. I was like, okay, we all had our phones out and we're seeing us. You see this story. And by them being younger and not like it's, they were cracking jokes about like civil rights and how it's not them. And I was like, okay, you know, you're two generations from, right. or a generation away from civil rights. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you making jokes as you say, it's not you. But I mean, I showed them that like your mentality or people involved in that mentality, what if the first, they said it was 22 armed men in the courthouse. Mm-hmm listening to the uh, court proceedings. I said, what if the first couple of guys that showed up were black and had dreads, they were dressed a different way? I said, what would, What do you think would have happened if they got out and they were the first ones to come with the same rights that they're fighting for, gun control or whatever, but the appearance was different? Mm-hmm. How do you think that situation He probably got shot by them 22 people that were on if he had to remove or act in a certain way because it's just the truth. That's still, like I say, that's that psychological training to watch this person more than this person. Yeah. And and blindly, what ends up happening is the person that you're not watching is the one that does the, does the damage to you. On, but on Facebook, right? Well, it's, it, it it was a show that did it. It was called uh, a show that they had aired. It was like black for uh, black black or white or in black and white where they would put a black person and a white person in the same oh, yeah, situation yeah. to see how people were reacting. Oh, yeah. And they were recorded. Yeah, it was a social experiment. Yeah, it was yeah. a social experiment. They had a white guy walk down the street with an AR-15. Didn't even stop. And the police walked up to him and was like, hey, man, what you got there? And dude basically was selling him his rights. And they were like, all right, well, look, if you can, man, you know, just, just, just keep, you know, keep, keep, keep it steady and keep it moving. Can I see your ID? He's like, no, nah, you can't see nothing. Yeah. A black guy. Same gun. The it's the same gun. They gave him the same gun. Yeah. Gave him the uh, equipped him with the same words to use when they pulled him over. They made him get down on the ground. They made him push the gun away from him. Yeah. All of that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and they did the same thing with a bicycle. They put a bicycle on a chain. They told a white kid to stand there, and the white kid was asking, "Hey, can you help me with this bicycle?" And people was like, "Oh yeah, yeah, no problem." A black kid, they was like, "Is this your bike? Is this your bike? Is this yours? Are you still in this bike?" Yeah. And the sad truth, like I said, that's just the evidence of what I'm saying is, is they're trained a couple of ways. One, from the training in the academy and the, and the system training. But the other thing and, and uh, that ends up happening, like I said, your environment, if you are raised in an environment that's all black or all white, yeah. you learn your environment. Um, I work with a guy down there in Columbia when we do events that called Change. We try to do an event, and we're still going to do it called Change because a lot of people don't like it because it's titled Change. <laughs> so so it's hard to get people to go out to it because of the name of the event, but he's white. And he, me and him sat at the table the first time we met Aaron, and we talked, and he was like, he didn't realize how bad his environment was. Um, he said the first time that he was finally, he's an older white gentleman, School integrated, their school integrated, and he got black people on the bus with him. Was when he realized that he liked our music. <laughs> like he, it wasn't even part of their course, so they didn't even know anything about our music or anything like that. So you can understand at that level, his environment was something completely different. So to see something of another race or another color instantly triggers stuff within your mind to be like, "Oh, you ain't like me. I need to watch you." And it's just a sad truth that that ends up happening because we're not doing this. We're staying separate. The same thing is in a black neighborhood, somebody white walk down the street, everybody's going to be like, who is this? Who this is? We're going to watch him. We're going to chalk it up as an insurance sales. 
some some of them, some of them, if you got a suit and tie, oh, he good. We not even going to look at it. But you know, they've been doing these social experiments for decades. I mean, you had the, had the black doll experiment. When they, when, they presented, when they presented the children, the dolls, which doll was the good doll, which doll was the bad doll. And I, all of the preferential lads said the white doll was the good doll, the black doll was the bad doll. Yeah. Uh, uh, you had a, had a uh, lady who was a sociologist, did an experiment in college called the Blue Lad, Brown Lad experiment, mm -hmm. where they discriminated against people deliberately because of the color of their eyes. And when the blue-eyed people were put in the brown-eyed people situation, they totally didn't understand it. They freaked, you know. Yeah, well, this yeah. is the same thing you're doing with skin color. Yeah. Is it right? It, it, it is. And like I say, it's the until we talk about it more, we don't. We're not even addressing the issue. Like I said, we just allow it to exist until we cross that that rough, uncomfortable conversation to be able to have in large mass and say, okay, let me try and attempt to see what it is that you're seeing. But, um, but you know, nowadays it's, it's the call, the calling of the police. You know, you, oh, you got people all over the country calling police on people for doing ordinary everyday things, yeah. you know, trying to get in your pocket, yeah. sleeping in your dorm, but in your dog properly, you know. Sadly, like sadly though, it's still, it, again, it's just, it's being shown more of how psychologically people are messed up just, uh, at just, that level. Just recently on Steve Harvey's show, he had a guy that helps this, he's a black guy, he's probably like 30, 35 years old. He helps a black, I mean a white family with like everything, with their children, everything. The mom was at work, the dad was at a conference, and he had the two kids, the two white kids. Mm -hmm. and he's, you know, going grocery shopping. He, you know, he kicking with the yeah, mom. Yeah. And they done called somebody done called the police. Yeah, yeah. And when they called shopping center to his home. Yeah. So when they called, the mom was like, wait, 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 what? <laughs> so somebody called me because my white children are with a black man. And the father was like, at first I was like, oh God, what happened? And then after a while, he was like, that's stupid. Why would they do that? And he said, then later on it started sinking in. Oh, right. shit, you do this all the time. Yeah. This happens to you all the time. Right. And he said, yeah. He said, and he told him, he said, do you not know everywhere I go, people stare at me, but I don't tell y'all because I don't want y'all to think it's unsafe for your kids to be around me. Yeah. He was like, so you deal with this by yourself all the time. He's like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's sad, yeah. but it's our it's our reality. It's our reality because it, stuff sometimes happens too fast, uh, especially like in Nashville. The city's growing, and we're in the, we're in the state where we're just living and not thinking. Uh, and when we're doing that, we're not preparing ourselves for the stuff that's happening. Like the one that really got me was Philando Castillo. He was a guy riding with his girlfriend and a partner. And, 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 and he told the officer that I'm licensed to carry. And the officer asked him to see his license, but when he went to get his license, he got Right. And he said, I told him not to reach. Fear. Yeah. Fear. You're giving conflict, conflict and information, you have to have give conflict and instruction, mm -hmm. and then you kill a man on camera. And then the, the killing part is that nobody saw any wrong that he died. Well, well, he followed procedure. Well, and, and crazily, and, and and this is again me knowing the law and everything else. By law and by procedure, he did nothing wrong. Sad reality, but by law and by procedure, he literally did nothing wrong. Because when they judge it, they're gonna use another reasonable officer's perspective. So if you were in this moment, 
and you're saying that you felt like something was going to happen, what would you have done? And every reasonable officer trained, now pay attention to that word trained, every reasonable officer trained would have pulled the trigger. And the crazy thing is, if they would ask me the question, the sad truth, I would say if I trained, I was supposed to pull the trigger. Now, would I have really done it? I'm different. I, I, they already thought I was crazy. I tell them I'm going to take the bullet first because somebody got to start understanding that we have to take that next split second just to make sure what we're seeing. But that's not too many That's been my hashtag for years. Though. Don't worry. We will investigate ourselves and find that no wrong was done. Yeah, and, and and that's what it comes down to. Like a lot of people don't understand, even even so, like say outside that. So a lot, of, and, and this is where I need people to really kind of start doing this understanding law, because you know it's not no class that's gonna teach you law. They don't put that in school. You can go if you're gonna be an attorney or whatnot, and you're gonna learn stuff. But even as an attorney, I swear to God, attorneys are not the best ones. They just know how to pass a test or pay somebody to pass a test for them to get their bar license. Mm -hmm. But they are just as ignorant as any other individual in public of what the law is until they have to deal with that situation to learn from it. But um, there's a law literally still on them. They'll, they'll never mention it. They'll never put it out there because they know they don't want to ex excite the people and make them mad. And I was talking to her about it today, how on Facebook when I made a post about the Dan Dan situation, um, how this bot. Do y'all know on Facebook sometimes those people that come up there to, to comment against you are fake yeah. So they literally, like, it's literally a thing. I don't know if it's like a, a group of people or they set up a system or not, but they'll literally go against you on purpose just to stir up drama. Yeah. Yeah. So it don't even be a real person. If you look at the page, they might have like some goofy picture of somebody up there and they might have stuff posted. They paid this conflicting all the way with you. So either one or two things happen. It's either that system that's set up or it's somebody that's mentally messed up that set up the whole page. But he was arguing against me. Uh, about the Dan Dan situation, I was telling him that he was wrong because he, he broke a policy. There was a law that already had, when they shot a man running, you can't shoot him. If he's not a threat, you do not shoot him. I don't care if he got a gun, a knife, anything. Well, it's still going on. It's still going on right now. Uh, but it's ironic when both our police shootings here in Nashville, the suspect was shot in the back. Mm. But years ago, they had a law on the books here called a fleeing felon act. It said if the felon, regardless of where the felon was, if the felon was running away from you, do not back. They lost, and the reason why that was there is because they lost a lawsuit uh, with a family that sued them because it was running. So when they lost that lawsuit, that's what makes them change the law. When they lose money, they're like, okay, we got to fix some stuff now. We can't keep losing money because y'all, so we're going to change the law so that we can stop doing this. Uh, and, and, and pass down the line. So I, I can tell you for sure he was wrong in his actions because the law said he was wrong and he wasn't no threat. He was just running. Yes, he had a gun, but he was just running. He wasn't shooting. He wasn't, he didn't even, what they tried to say is his turn to look where he was, where the officer was, was a targeting glance. Hmm. Now, a targeting glance is when I'm trying to see what it is that I'm finna shoot at, not know I'm running from you type thing. So when it comes down to it, He's still wrong, but what's going to end up happening? And I'm just telling y'all, and we can just watch it. Hopefully, they don't. I don't talk about it because I hope they're just as ignorant as a lot of people is. But it's a law that stated uh, absolute immunity. That basically, in absolute immunity, if you're acting under code of color as an officer on your duty, whether right or wrong, you cannot be charged for that crime. Uh, that's what happened to Lippitt. Lippitt, the one who killed Jeffrey Clement, said, well, I... 
Even though he's out of the security district. Even though he's been cited numerous times before for excessive force. Even though yeah. he but, had but, complaints about the him, he was right. And, and they're not going to, again, like I said, they're not going to mention what they know about the reason why we put this on the books is to protect those that are working for us. Right. And it, it's literally, it, it protected me. It was one of my conflicts because even as an officer, I had issues with other officers, but I couldn't get them fired because the same thing that protected me protected them. Right. <laughs> Civil service was my, I hated it, but I loved it at the same time. I'm like, okay, he can get away with it. Watch what I do. Uh, y'all going to have to send me the civil service board. Y'all like, so sometimes they just, they wouldn't do anything. They'll slap me on the hand because they didn't want to go through the process of civil service. Right. They wouldn't fire nobody. So, again, it's set up so where they, one, don't have to take a hit on their side by any means. But now, what they will do, if they feel like too many people, like for instance with the Dan situation, too, that made a lot of noise for a second. So they at least are gonna make sure that it looks like we're using the process. Yeah. No. But I'm telling people, watch it. So what's the, watch it so, till it's final. So because what you the, the new thing that you're saying they're trying to pass the uh, immunity thing. Ain't no new. That's been. It's been. I mean, but my whole thing is, it's already. I'm about to say if if it, if it ain't. I thought you said it was new. I'm gonna say shit. That's what they do anyway. No, no. It, that, no. I done seen somebody shoot somebody in the back that was breaking in their car. Somebody was in the house and somebody was down the steps breaking in their car. And they told him, drop it, drop it, drop my radio. And he shot him in the back. Mm-hmm. And he's still in jail. Yep. So, so, so that, that that shooting and fleeing, that's for us. That ain't for y'all. Y'all can shoot anybody. Anytime y'all want to yeah. Whatever y'all want. Well, the, pol- the police, right. The, yeah, the, the just, police, yeah, yeah. So it's a, it's a totally different law. Like I said, that law is for, it says, right. acting under code, yeah, uh, code of color. Yeah. Meaning, the police can do it. Don't you do it. Because, <laughs> yeah. honestly, so, can honestly. Can a police officer long enough to get a, to say I'm a police officer? <laughs> Don't buy no uniform, don't pretend, don't get criminal impersonation. Yeah, as a officer. felony when you act like a police officer. You can come become a police officer. I'm going to tell you right now. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now. I do not encourage anybody Damn. to become an officer. Um, not until uh, it's, it's changed. And it really police. I like being a deputy sheriff because it's different. And that's what a lot of people don't even know that. That's a difference between deputy sheriffs and police officers. Yeah, we're all law enforcement, but we're different entities and we do things differently. So, like, the respect actually is in the deputy sheriff. People, for the longest, the first thing that was in, that was in America to kind of establish law was the sheriff. People would go to the sheriff, like, hey, they're stealing my horses. And they, it was the sheriff. The police is a, it's kind of like this private pop-up, hey, we want to enforce. So, they literally are totally, they're not elected, really. They're just, like, another job. If someone was smart enough to say, hey, we need to beef up stuff, stuff is growing. It's almost like a private company, uh, and they sit under the mayor. They're like event security. Pretty much. <laughs> uh, and, and so, like, when, you get, when you get all into it, it's kind of crazy because, like, because then you learn, like, so, like, the sheriff got the county, right? We roam the county. The police only got the city, so they got limitations where they're supposed to stay within the city. And then outside of the city, you leave it alone, the sheriff will take care of it. Nashville, they did this metropolitan thing, and so now the sheriff just deal with the silver side of stuff. So like, we run the jail and deal with the silver side of stuff, mm-hmm. but we're not gonna be out there chasing you in the street <laughs> or doing that because of that that charter that they've actually done. And it's again, that's just 
it's more education. I'm like, I need to tell everybody that because when I when I wasn't an officer, I didn't know none of this. Mm-hmm. I didn't know the difference between a deputy sheriff, nor a police officer, nor the TBI, nor the FBI. All y'all was the po- police, right? <laughs> uh, but I tell people to know that, um, especially when police are in other areas that they should not be. So um, you have a metro officer in Berry Hill or Bell Mead, like how do they facilitate law? Craziest thing. The, because uh, metro still surrounds all that. So like, and it's, so I didn't even know Berry Hill existed. <laughs> that is the, Barry not Hill's that fight. Berry Hill is Berry Yeah. So Bell Mead, Berry Hill. Berry Hill, Bell Mead. Uh, it used to be Lakewood. Yeah. I know it's, it's a lot of them. They got their smaller police departments. It tripped me out when I was like, I'm like, huh? Because all I knew about was the sheriff and Metro Police. And I, Gildersville got their own police department. Still outside of the outside, but still, but so they got like a still like Rivergate Mall. That's still kind of in Metro. So Metro will be there too. Uh, in in Goodlesville, it's it's yeah. Metro covers all of Metro acts like a sheriff. So the sheriff used to cover all of Davidson County, right? And and the police department only covered the city. The city, but but now it's been reversed. Right. Metro the Metro police department covers all of Davidson County, and the sheriff department just stay in the city to the jail and do civil warrants. We do the paperwork stuff, but again. That came down to, to, again, just being that Mickey Mouse game being played with those people that kind of knew a power. Hey, let's see how we can make this happen as a growing city. So, like, if you leave from out of Davidson County and you see another sheriff in another county, they are not like Davidson County. They are like regular. They're going to roam that whole area. You'll go to jail. They have speeding tickets, everything. Up here in Davidson County, we won't worry about no speeding tickets or none of that stuff. <laughs> Ain't no time for that. <laughs> That's the police. very important question. Are you ever going to cut your birthday cake? Am I ever going to... Oh, yes, let's eat some cake. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, okay, I'm done. I'm done. You're going to cut your birthday cake? Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate all of this fun. Y'all can keep those phones. They are so long. Huh? I find them. Okay, yeah, so you go, can tell them you know me. Right? We can eat some cake now. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Well, let's go eat some cake now. Thank you. Cake! Cake!